Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Margareta lives in Washington, quite close to Seattle, which is where the first documented cases of the pandemic made landfall in the United States. Today, she compares to that first rush of cases to how regulations of the pandemic are unfolding into 2021. Our interview occurred just after New Year's, and she tells a story in this episode about coming together with family in order to celebrate New Year's Eve on Zoom. I think it was in the news at the end of December, and then it was definitely in the news here because in January, we had what was thought of at the time as the first um, case in the United States. We know that that's not true, um, but it was just one county over in Snohomish County. So where I live in Shoreline is on the north end of King County. We're just like just north of Seattle. And then there's Snohomish County. So a lot of people work up there. I mean, I thought it was going to be something like, you know, um, another outbreak of, um, I mean, we'd, we'd had, uh, I believe, uh, um, an Ebola outbreak that had, you know, that showed up in Texas and in years past. And I was in college when it was, you know, SARS and, and um, all that stuff. And I, you know, people here got sick and it was very serious, but not that many people got sick compared to the population. At the time I was volunteering as a PEPS leader. So basically like um, I was leading a support group for, parents in the community who had recently had newborn babies and um, part of it is that we would all come together with the babies and talk about what's going on and everything and one of the one of the dads also coincidentally works for the courts only in Snohomish County someone had come into the courthouse who was I believe a relative of that patient and everybody needed to get tested and that was like the first time I'd really heard of it being I don't know, so close to me and having people kind of starting to freak out about it a bit. And, you know, should we, you know, he came into contact with that person sort of. So should, like, it didn't even occur to us that he shouldn't be coming to the group. We had canceled group before because a few babies had, you know, bad colds and we thought, okay, we're not going to spread around the whole group. But, you know, this didn't, this was so knew that we didn't really even know what to do about that. It is extremely contagious. It is, um, you know, it's just ex extremely important to be as safe as possible because it is, while most people will recover, we don't know the long-term effects. And also there's 
um, a very high degree of people who do have serious serious complications and including death. So yeah, it's um, it is a deadly virus. It does need to be taken seriously. Well, luckily, um, I mean, it's way higher than we want it to be, but it's it, it's on the downswing. Over the um, in the fall, we had gotten down in King County to um, less than seventy five cases confirmed per day per a hundred thousand, which was a threshold where they were considering bringing kids back to school at least part time. And then over the winter, it went up to almost five hundred. So it's just. Now it's back down to 300. It's sharply heading down. I have, I know people in my community who are healthcare workers who are getting the vaccine, just hoping that we can hang on and keep social distancing and keep doing what we're doing. We can get the vaccine to a lot of people and move forward. Well, um, the biggest thing for me is that my daughter doesn't get to go to a kindergarten classroom. And it was, that was the hardest thing for me after years of kind of, um, building her up towards that and um, both my kids have um, speech issues and do go to speech therapy um, and kind of helping her like you know when you go to kindergarten you're gonna want to make sure you can communicate with your teacher and all that she went to preschool too and um, loved preschool and but yeah that's that's been the hardest thing is that she doesn't get to have a kindergarten experience. And at this age, it's so much about um, building social skills as kind of a baseline for school. It's so hard. I know that her mental health has suffered from being cut off from her friends, just kind of like very quickly in March. And it was when, you know, they started shutting things down for schools. And um, it's, it's, um, you know, not quite a year in my life. It's like a big part of my kids' lives. It's like, you know, for a five-year-old, that's a lot of your life. So yeah, that's what I worry about the most. And my son was one, almost two. Um, he turned two in April of 2020. And at first it was kind of like, oh, he's fine if his social life is mom and dad, who cares? You know, he's good. But now he's at a developmental stage where, you know, he can get lonely too. On the flip side of that, though, I think that the kids and I are a lot closer as a result of this. I've really changed my perspective in terms of all the running around and run to this, run to that, go to this activity, that play date, blah, blah, blah. You know, you hear about parents getting into that and it's like, oh, I'm never going to get into that. I'm never going to shuffle my kids around like that. But it's very easy to get into. And it's really, um, I think we've had a lot of good quantity time of just bonding together and the kids playing together. So there's, you know, there's highs and lows. For my, my husband's job got crazy. It just got crazy. He's had a lot of stress from it. He's the, um, he's one of the youngest judges in the county. Um, he's at the district court level. He, um, so he's picked up a lot of extra calendars to cover for judges who are in high-risk groups. A lot of judges are um, over 60. And so, you know, we have a lot of judges here in King County who are um, Black and Indigenous people of color um, and, uh, and other people of color. And um, they don't necessarily feel comfortable going into work and uh, working with the jail population where it could be spreading a, a lot. So Joe, as a young white guy, has been down there 
taking on a lot of those calendars and also has really been advocating for, you know, we don't need to do all these things in person. Um, and it's kind of surprising the amount of pushback he's like he and other judges who feel that way have gotten. Like, could we just have people appear by phone? Like, could we just have people appear by Zoom and we'll figure out how we can, you know, document that this is the identity of the person and it is the real person. But it kind of speaks to a greater issue of why do we punish people by bringing them into court and disrupting their lives for misdemeanors? Like you could lose your job because you have a bunch of court dates. And that's an issue that faces people who are coming out of poverty, homelessness, addiction, things like that. It's really hard to get your life back on track when you have to show up for all these random court dates and it affects your job or your childcare or whatever. So can we just do this going forward to give people more options? So they can do the work we want them to do in terms of um, moving on with their lives. So there's that for us. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of hours for me with the kids, not just because of school, but because Joe's been working all the time. I think there's a lot of great things that we figured out how to do with and for each other. Um, I think that, you know, obviously we had an internet connection and devices before the pandemic. So it was super easy for our family to, to connect with our relatives and friends over Zoom. And, you know, my daughter's just picked right up with um, Zoom calls to her friends, although she doesn't like it as much as being in person, you know, and we did some Zoom dance classes and stuff. And then she got really tired of that because it was made her sad and reminded her she couldn't do dance class in person. I think one thing that's super cool is that because we've had to do remote school, even at the kindergarten level, the school district has had to provide internet, basically like hotspots and devices to families who uh, might not have or might not be able to afford them. And it really just kind of brings up how, to me, how much that's just needed in general. To get everybody on an equal footing, we gotta have in my opinion, like citywide internet for everybody. It shouldn't be an obstacle to get over to work and, and go to school. Something because of the pandemic. The first thing that comes to mind is just on New Year's Eve, my family and I were all listening to the same music from um, DJ D-Nice on Instagram um, with his club quarantine. And we were all able to kind of we all, I mean, first of all, we've all gotten to attend, like, basically have music that, like, this guy is the DJ for, you know, the Obama's events, right? And we get to have it in our living room um, and connect with other people who love music and connect with other people who wrote and sang the music, you know, through Instagram. Um, and we, um, a lot of my family members, we were all separate, but dancing the same music on New Year's Eve, and I thought that was really cool. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week, and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it, because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time. Stay safe, stay well.